0: Alright everyone, welcome to another Monday edition of Heart's Home Half, hosted by yours truly, Austin Hart. So this is another social media reminder, as I like to do at the beginning of every episode. On Instagram and Twitter, you can find this podcast at Heart's Home Half. I'll be posting updates on every Monday and Thursday for episode drops, and I'll try and be as active as possible on both platforms, as I always try to do. So I always appreciate any follows or any support I get on both of those platforms. Thank you so much. It means a lot to me, for sure. So now let's get into a really, really big slate for today because there is a lot to get into on this packed episode. And we're going to start out with a draft recap because yes, on Thursday night, first round of the draft happened and the Jags got the first pick. Now, so not only are we going to get to talk about the Jags, Jags, Jaguars first pick, we're also going to talk some Buccaneers and Dolphins uh, draft content as well. We won't go through all of the players, but we'll hopefully talk about a couple of them that will make uh, probably an impact maybe year one for, the, for these teams. Then I definitely want to get into the Marlins because they have been red hot in baseball right now. I want to just quickly go over how they've looked recently because, man, they've put together a seven game win streak last week and they looked phenomenal. So I'm going to want to recap that. And then afterwards, probably some of the biggest news of the day, but the NHL playoffs get kicked off tonight. Thank God. Holy hell. We have been waiting for the NHL playoffs. It seems like forever. The regular season has dragged on for a very long time this season, it seems like. And I think part of it, part of it due to the breaks that they had to take in December and January due to COVID outbreaks, so that really lengthened the season, but thank God they get kicked off tonight. So we'll we'll go into the first-round matchups for the Bolts and the Panthers as the Bolts play their first of seven tonight, and the Panthers will get kicked off tomorrow night. Also, we'll round out this episode with another college baseball weekend rewind for the teams here in the state of Florida. But before we get into anything today, I also want to mention, and we'll, this will be a bigger, bigger topic on the Thursday pod, but the Miami Heat start their second round series tonight against the Philadelphia 76ers at home. Joel Embiid, really big news. He is going to be out at least for games one and two in Miami. He has a orbital fracture and a concussion, I believe, so he's going to have to go through the protocols to make sure that he's okay to come back from that. But this is a big opportunity where hopefully the Heat can take advantage of an MVP caliber player being out of the lineup for the Sixers. Also, Harden, since being with the Sixers, has not played a game without Joel Embiid, so he might be uncomfortable early, especially if the Miami defense is able to hound him as well as they were able to hound Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks in round one. So be on the lookout for the Miami Heat to face off against the 76ers tonight. Really hoping that Miami can go up again with a strong 2-0 lead uh, at home before they go back to Philadelphia for game three the tough thing though for the Heat tonight Kyle Lowry is going to be out again as I believe he is still uh, having problems with his hamstring I think it is Um, but hopefully he should be ready to go for game two Um, still trying to just make sure he is getting back as healthy as possible so he doesn't tweak anything when he comes back but the good news, Jimmy Butler should be ready to go tonight after sitting out for Game 5 against the Hawks. Um, so, big night tonight against the Heat. I believe they tip off at 7.30. So, again, that'll be a bigger topic for our Thursday pod. We'll definitely recap Game 1 and so much more on that episode. But now, let's get into our content that we're going to go into for this episode. And we're going to start out with the draft. And we're going to go into what I said earlier was probably the biggest news of the draft, and that was the Jacksonville Jaguars getting the first overall pick. They went with Trayvon Walker, defensive end out of Georgia. And I feel like this kind of surprised some people that he was taking first overall, because I think some people viewed that he didn't have quite the skill set that maybe Aiden Hutchinson had, or quite the motor that Aiden Hutchinson had, because that dude is just you know wind it up and ready to go at all times but I do really like this pick Trayvon Walker the SEC pedigree and championship pedigree from this Georgia team that went all the way last year and had so many dominant wins I mean th- this guy is just a massive dude that tackles extremely well and he has really great versatility which is I think what the Jaguars valued so much from him he could move inside outside and even sometimes into a linebacker role while he was with Georgia so this is going to make him an extremely versatile player to put an opposite... Uh, from Josh Allen and just plug right into that Jaguars defense in year one. They are going to be monsters up front to have to deal with uh, for for opposing quarterbacks. That'll, that'll be for sure. So I really do like that Trayvon Walker pick. Um, I, I think the weird news about him, I don't know if anybody else had caught this, but I think he had gotten into a car accident right before the draft. He, he walked away from it completely uninjured. Great. I mean, great news, but I mean, a little bit of off-the-field issues. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. I don't know what was going on, but... Definitely some concerning news to get right before like the biggest night of possibly this young man's football career. Um, so kind of some weird news there. But moving on, I think some other great picks that the Jags were able to secure in this draft, they got Devin Lloyd in the first round, a linebacker out of Utah. I think he's going to be able to step in right away and fill a big hole for the Jags. They're definitely looking for some linebacker help um, and, and some real help against the run this year. So Devin Lloyd, I think, is going to be a real, real great player to plug in there, as he was on a great Pac-12 Utah team last year. And then Luke Fortner, they grabbed him in the third round, a center out of Kentucky. I think this is going to be a great, experienced player uh, to be able to protect Trevor Lawrence. He's got great awareness, and he's hopefully going to fill in for Brandon Linder, who suddenly retired this offseason for the Jags. Um, so Luke Fortner, they, they they wasted no time finding his replacement and somebody to plug right back into that position. Um, just some other picks that they had. They went with another linebacker in the third round out of Wyoming, Chad Muma. Uh, in the fifth round, went with Snoop, Snoop Connor, running back out of Ole Miss. In the sixth round, Gregory Jr., a cornerback out of Wat- Wachita Baptist. I don't even know how that's how I pronounce it, but it sounds like a smaller school. And then round seven, Monterique Brown, a cornerback out of Arkansas. So pretty heavy on the defensive side, I would say, uh, for the Jaguars. Definitely want to bolster that while they can right now because they did a pretty good job in the offseason at acquiring some good offensive pieces to put around Trevor Lawrence especially wide receiver, tight end kind of stuff and then you're going to get Trevor Etienne coming back from injury this year in that backfield so that's very very exciting for the Jaguars this year as well so hopefully a lot to look forward for this team uh, after getting what I think was a very good first round, uh, first overall draft pick uh, that will make a really big impact for this defense right away all right, now we'll switch gears and talk about the Tampa Bay Bucks draft a little bit and how they did. It's my personal favorite team, and I like to think Jason Light pretty much knows what he's doing in that front office, and he, he normally puts together a pretty good uh, a squad of draft picks uh, and young talent that we can develop over the years. Our first pick in the second round, Logan Hall, defensive end out of Houston. I think this guy will be great to plug in right away, hopefully, uh, and learn a lot from Shaq Barrett and even Joe Tryon that we just uh, secured from the first round last year out of Washington. Um, But we don't know if JPP or Ndamukong Su are going to get re-signed. Both of them kind of getting towards the end of their careers. And we're basically trying to go with the younger defense at this point, guys that are willing to learn, develop, and, uh, you know, guys you can pair with, like, Vitavea and Shaq Barrett, Joe Tryon again, all these guys on the line that are pretty young and able to to mix and match. They also have uh, Nacho um, Nunez, I think. So like he he's also going to be a part of that rotation as well. So definitely going to be a good squad they're going to have on that line this year. Uh, a lot to look forward to there uh also later in the second round an offensive tackle out of central michigan i don't want to pronounce his last name because i don't want to botch it but his name was luke luke g um i think this is going to be a great need we really needed this after ali marpet suddenly retired for the bucks this year this offseason so this will hopefully be a guy that can learn right away and be a reliable tackle for tom especially for this year In the third round, Rashad White running back out of Arizona State. I think this is a nice guy to learn a lot from Lenny. Um, You know, I don't think Keyshawn Vaughn is quite. Uh, progress the way that the Bucks have wanted in that backfield so I think Rashad White comes in and provides a little competition for him and I've also heard that Rashad White is pretty good in the passing game in the receiving game um, out of that backfield so I think that's going to be uh, a pretty key part in that offense this year if Tom Brady is going to want to use him as a passing piece out of the backfield. In round four I think they were able to kind of get Gronk's replacement in Cade Otten, a tight end from Washington. God, we love our Washington draft picks at Tampa Bay, but uh, I think this is a really good guy with great hands out of Washington. can improve a little bit on the run blocking side, but I, I think he's going to be a pretty good fill-in for a guy in Gronk that's getting very old. We don't know if he's going to come back and play again. He, he was ravaged again by injury last year. He's had a lot of back ailments, so really don't know if he's going to be ready, ready to go this season so this is a great guy to have drafted under uh, Cam Bray a lot to learn from him elsewhere throughout the draft in round four the Bucks took a punter out of Georgia Jake Camarda in round five they took Zion McCollum a CB a cornerback out of Sam Houston State I think that was a pretty good steal actually um, round six co Keft uh, another tight end he is out of Minnesota I was a little weirded out by that pick i was like two tight ends i don't know but okay i guess i guess i guess we'll go with it not gonna question jason light again and uh in round seven andre anthony and edge rusher from lsu So not too bad for the Bucs there. Definitely like their earlier picks. Um, But the last team in the state of Florida, the Miami Dolphins, they only had four picks in this draft. And that's pretty much because they gave away a lot of their uh, draft picks this year when they were acquiring Tyreek Hill to come over to the Miami Dolphins. So they only ended up with a third round, fourth round, and two seventh round picks for this year's draft in the third round they got Channing Tindall a linebacker out of Georgia I think this is a nice complimentary player to try and compete for a starting role maybe right away in that Dolphins D they were very poor against the run last year so I think Channing Tindall can make an impact right away comes from a championship pedigree defense comes from an SEC pedigree defense so a lot of experience I I think to provide there round four, they took a wide receiver out of Texas Tech, probably to learn from that loaded wide receiver room they got right now. And uh, in round seven, they took a linebacker out of Cal, Cameron Good, and a QB out of Kansas, skate, Kansas State, Skylar Thompson. So kind of an interesting pick there. Not sure about that one, but hey, you know, Marlins, or I mean, Dolphin's doing what they're going to do, I guess, whatever. You know, two. This is two his year, but this is 100% two his year, so wouldn't read into that pick, obviously, at all. So great uh, recap of the NFL draft this year. Lot, I think a lot of great picks from each of the teams in the state of Florida this year. Um, so a lot to look forward to as offseason and training camp is going to get rolling here probably in a couple weeks. So now I'm going to switch gears and talk about some baseball because the Miami Marlins have been red hot Last week, they put together a seven-game win streak. Like I said in the open, I mean, they've been phenomenal. Unfortunately, they suffered a loss that snapped that streak yesterday to the Mariners 7-3. to But that literally, that was their first loss in eight games. Like, their seven-game win streak has had them looking fantastic. I know on last Monday's pod, I mentioned how the Marlins had won their last two games of three in Atlanta to take the series. Since then non-stop fire they were able to sweep the nationals in three straight going to washington then the next two games they took from the mariners in a series win lost the game yesterday so that was their seven game winning streak braves nationals mariners but their starting pitching over this stretch has been elite. I mean, Alcantara, Lopez, Hernandez, Lozardo, even rogers all looked great this week. They're getting deeper into games, they're giving up way less runs, the control is way better, and the strikeout numbers look great. What's been even more impressive, though, has been the bullpen performances. They're getting a lot of reliable arms, coming out of that pen and providing huge performances in late-game situations, and a lot of them in very close games. So props to their bullpen for being able to put in a lot of impressive work so far. Also don't want to knock how well they've been hitting either. Obviously, Jazz Chisholm and Jesus Sanchez have been RBI machines for the Marlins so far, especially down this stretch. Jorge Soler also might be finding his power stroke, hopefully, after getting into a couple homers recently. I mean, some that have gone, like, deep, deep in the park. But how about the consistency of Joey Wendell on top of anything else? I mean, this dude is tied with Jazz Chisholm for four stolen bases for the team lead, But his ability to just make great contact and produce hit after hit, double after double, he barely strikes out. I mean, it's no wonder he's hitting 300 as of now this deep into the season. He looks great for that Miami offense. I love what he's been able to do coming over from the Rays and automatically getting inserted into that lineup. I hope he continues to be as consistent as he has been throughout the season so far. The great thing for the Marlins, they currently sit second in the division Two and a half games behind the Mighty Mets who have been playing very well so far this season. But they are with a they are they have a game and a half lead on Philly a three-game lead on the Atlanta Braves and a six-game lead on the Washington Nationals they just swept. Their 8-2 and two record over the last 10 games has been the best in the National League in that span. So props to the Marlins. They're opening up a home series starting tonight against Arizona with Pablo Lopez on the hill who has been absolutely phenomenal. So hopefully the Marlins keep it up and continue to keep playing red-hot baseball tonight against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Okay, now I said in the open that the biggest news possibly of the day that the NHL playoffs are starting tonight. And you're damn right it's the biggest news of the day. So we're going to jump right into it. The Lightning first because they play their first game of a seven-game series tonight matching up against the Maple Leafs, who were just ahead of the Lightning in the division standings this year. It's going to be a duel of two top scorers as Austin Matthews and Steven Stamkos have both notched 106 points in the regular season. Matthews had a 60-goal season for the Leafs, an unprecedented mark. Or, not like unprecedented, but I mean, very rare mark for somebody to get to a 60-goal season. So he's had an outstanding season. But Stamkos, he's been an elite passer this season more than anything. 64 assists for the team one behind team leader victor hedman so an outstanding year for stamkos as well but the leafs are certainly going to come out really really hungry not only in this game but likely in the series given their history with the playoffs i mean it's been very poor if you know how bad it is their last playoff series win goes back to 2004 and they consistently make the playoffs every year they just can't get past the first round but I'm just hoping that the Lightning continue to keep that door shut on them because the Lightning, I am hoping, are also going to be hungry for history in their own right. This is their pursuit for what would be their third Stanley Cup in a row. They're looking to make their mark in history right along with the Islanders that won four straight back in 1980 through 1984. So this is a big, big playoff run for the Lightning. And both teams have been really, really hot down the stretch. I mean, the Leafs 7-2-1 in the last 10, the Bolts 7-3. But goalie play has been a little bit more of an issue for the Bolts. I hate to say it. Vazzy has been a little bit more inconsistent than normal lately. But the Lightning are hoping that since playoff time is finally here, he can revert to the MVP form to dominate and net these playoffs. I've seen it the past two years. Sometimes he can just flip a damn switch, and I'm hoping that he can do it because he is one of the, if not the best, goaltender in the entire world. The Bolts are just going to need to make sure that their offense can also just keep up with this Maple Leafs team because not only are the Leafs going to have quite the high-powered offensive attack themselves, any future opponent that the Lightning are going to hope to match up with if they advance beyond this round is likely going to have the same skill sets, if not more refined. So now that we covered a little bit of the Lightning's first-round matchup, let's go into the Panthers' first-round matchup. The President's Trophy-winning team with the best record in the regular season, they start their quest for the Cup tomorrow night in their seven-game series against the Capitals. They're going to start out at home in sunrise. The Panthers are going to look to stay as hot as they were in the regular season in the playoffs. Huberdeau, Jonathan Huberdeau, he's been a star for this team, and he's going to need to show out in these playoffs he had a league leading 85 assists on the season I mean he was dishing him out left and right but I mean he's just one of the main components on this team that includes the likes of Alexander Barkov, Claude Giroux, Aaron Ekblad and way too many others to name but I mean this is an offense ready to absolutely light the Caps goal on fire The Capitals of Alex Ovechkin, he leads the way as he normally does for the Caps with plenty of playoff experience and another 50-goal season this season in the books. They have plenty of playoff experience in their core, but they're going to need all of it against this Florida team with how good and how dominant they've looked this season. They look hungrier than ever. And though the Panthers themselves haven't won a playoff series since 1996 when they went on to win the Cup, this could definitely be the year that they're make they're going to make it happen, especially up against a team that lost three of its last four regular season games coming into the playoffs and was the last seed in the Eastern Conference. So, the Panthers, no pun intended, are looking to feast on the Capitals right here uh, tomorrow night in that first round matchup. So we'll round out this jam-packed episode today. Wow, there's so much to go over today in this episode, but we'll round it out with a quick college baseball recap of the day, because there's a, there's some up and down, up and down uh, news, I guess, for for some of these teams here in the state of Florida. Uh, Florida State was able to bounce back pretty strong this weekend. The Gators of U- University of Florida were able to take their series from an SEC opponent. But number three, Miami, had to avoid getting swept by an unranked ACC rival. So we'll start out with FSU. They were ready to go this weekend when number seven, TCU, came into town on Friday. The Knolls picked up two wins on Friday and Saturday behind some incredible showings by Parker Messick, Carson Montgomery, and Wyatt Crowell on the mound, just to name a few of the pitching arms that absolutely went off for this team. Um, the offense showed up in a pretty big way as well. Alex Terrell continuing to hit bombs and just producing so many runs for this offense. Uh, they had final scores of 10-0 to and 7-3 to on Friday and Saturday. Sunday's game was unfortunately rained out midway through and was not counted as a game and will not be rescheduled. So unfortunately, that you know didn't we didn't get to see the light of day on that one but f s u gets a little mini sweep in two games and now has seven straight wins versus ranked opponents. They are going to be traveling to face Stetson in the midweek game this week. And then ACC rival Boston College over the weekend. They're going to be traveling to Boston College. Uh, Let me go and pull up these rankings. I do not have the – I know the rankings just came out today, Uh, the new ones for the week for college baseball. I want to see – yes, Florida State actually just got ranked number 23 for this week, one ahead of TCU who got bumped all the way down in – number 24 this week after FSU was able to, again, give them that mini sweep. Uh, Gators baseball, they looked pretty nice themselves this weekend as well. They had a dominant 9-2 win on Friday and a 9-1 win on Saturday against their SEC rival in Kentucky. The offense was massive for the Gators. Again, the names just like Judd, Fav- Judd Fabian, Sterling Thompson, BT Ryapel, Josh Rivera, Wyatt Langford. I mean, they continue to just be star contributors every game, every weekend for this team. Starting pitching from both Brandon Spro and Brandon Neely on both days were phenomenal. Um, but unfortunately, Kentucky got right back at Florida on Sunday, handing them an 8-1 loss to avoid them being swept. But overall, a pretty good weekend for the Gators. They unfortunately do not uh, end up getting ranked after that weekend against uh, Kentucky because Kentucky was an unranked team, so not obviously as impressive as a win than Florida State had weekend this weekend but UF will stay home to actually host in-state rival USF in the midweek game, and then they will be traveling to face Mississippi State uh, for some SEC weekend play this weekend. Uh, Mississippi State, no, they're not ranked either, so that is going to be another unranked SEC matchup. And then the last, last big, biggest team here in the state of Florida, number three Miami, uh, last week, they had been looking real good, but they faltered to unrank Georgia Tech in the first two out of three games of the weekend series Hitting just wasn't able to produce in some key moments, and while pitching was up and down, they were able to keep the game, the canes in the games for the most part. Luckily, the bats were able to come alive in a 13-2 beatdown on Sunday, and they avoided a sweep, but, I mean, they definitely fell a little bit in the rankings. Uh, well, actually, only the 6, I mean, not as far as I thought they were going to fall, you know. Losing a couple to Georgia Tech, but going down to number six in the rankings, they will travel to play North Dakota State in a three-game set this weekend. No mid uh, no midweek game for them this week. UCF Baseball was also able to get a series win over Tulane this weekend, and FAU notched a series win as well over FIU. So some great looks there as well. That is just about going to round it out for today's jam-packed episode of Hearts Home Half. Thank you so much to everybody that's tuned in. I am Austin Hart, and uh, if you again, if you want to follow me and this uh, podcast on social media at Hearts Home Half on both Instagram and Twitter, really, really appreciate that. And I'll be looking forward to another great episode and seeing you there Thursday for Hearts Home Half. See ya.